Hey guys, just a little intro here. So with part two for the audio, it had gotten cut off at one point and so Jeff's volume is a little bit low. So I would recommend using headphones for this to make it a little bit easier to hear. But one example I think you and I might have talked about is the example where he talked about how, you know, you'll see these power lifters and then they, they go to bodybuilding training and all of a sudden they, they get so huge. And I would say that, first of all, I definitely do agree that the ideal powerlifting training is clearly different than the ideal uh, bodybuilding training. Like it just absolutely is. But I would say that when I look at naturals, I don't know if I see huge differences. I, I see less differences in how they train. And I, I can't think of too many people I know. Now, again, I'm not like big in the powerlifting scene. So maybe that's why, but I, I can't think of too many. I know who they do powerlifting training and then they switch to bodybuilding training. And all of a sudden the same natural just like blew up and it just changed so differently unless they also were like choosing to eat more, which does have like, because in powerlifting, you're limited to your weight class, right? Unless you're, you're like the open class or whatever. But um, in that situation, sure, maybe they focus on actually eating more, but I just don't see, like, if I look at like people who have competed in both, like Alberto Nunez, Eric Helms, um, a few other people, I, I just don't see these like giant differences with how their training is. Yeah, that, that's one thing where there definitely are changes or differences in training when you're training for strength versus size, but they're not dramatic. And I think this is why you see a lot of naturals go the power building route where they're mm -hmm. focused on strength because you kind of have to be. I mean, even if you go the Brignoli route of doing these isolations, yeah, you still have to get stronger, right? Like even if you're doing sissy squats and these other movements, you know, which are fine. I don't, you know, I think you still have to get stronger and yeah. that's sort of unavoidable. And I haven't seen anyone who was like, Oh, I just like mind muscle connection to everything. And, and now everything is fine. And I truly feel that way. And it would be very easy for me to play the contrarian because I'm one of those rare people who is natural, not that strong, but relatively big. Mm -hmm. right like my my strength levels do not accurate well they're not accurate but they don't entirely reflect my physique mm -hmm. right like I'm an, I'm an i'm an outlier on that strength versus how you look curve yes. where i look stronger than i actually am mm -hmm. so it'd be very easy for me to use that as marketing and say like screw the traditional like you don't have to get strong yeah. to look like me i'm I am weak little bitch and look how good I look, that kind of thing. Like that would be marketing goal of just playing yeah. contrarian. Yeah, that's a good point. Just You're say, right. Oh, you could do that. Just just squeeze the biceps. Like yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. to put any weight on the bar. Just squeeze. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, that would I would I could sell thousands and thousands of dollars of ebooks or whatever the fuck else I wanted to sell. Yeah. System or something like yeah. the weak little bitch system. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um but even if I'm not as strong as I look, getting stronger still is what builds muscle. Like I'm yeah. not good at a squat. I'm not good at a bench, but getting better at those still provides the best gains. Right. Like I'm not emotionally tied to those because of their certain movements. Um, I'm emotionally tied to them because they're what get me the best results out of everything I've tried. And I've tried the mind muscle connection thing. I've tried the 20 to 30 reps on everything with high volume, short rest times thing. Um, you know, like Noel Dezel's training plan. I reviewed it. And one of the things was 
three sets of 30 on incline bench press. And every fifth rep was a five second lowering phase. Mm. And I ran the calculations and every set would take almost three minutes straight without stopping. And that's just like, what are you trying to kill people or just maybe just not give them any, like I would use the bar for that. Maybe 30 kilos, like yeah, yeah, yeah. 40 kilos. Um, it's like, I couldn't even do that with push-ups. Like thir- three to three by 30 with a five. Well, maybe I could, yeah. but it's not going to get you a huge chest. Right, right. It's just like this blood flow restriction pump training that works really well for some people. But if you're natural, you're not one of those people. Who so was I that? Think- <laughs> I think you made a video on it. There was that kid who had, it was like quite skinny and it was like how to get a massive chest. And you know what I'm talking about? You made it. I think I'm almost positive you made a video on it. Oh, uh, Etienne. Maybe. Oh yeah, he's like, how to get? What was it? It was like how to get a massive chest with just I, body weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Which like I would be. I mean, like, even if I mean, I'm definitely way bigger than that guy. And not to say like the whole oh you got to be big to make the videos thing, but more just like I would almost feel a little awkward titling a video how to get massive anything because I just would like I don't know. I know yeah. my relative size. I maybe say how to increase arm size, but like okay, if I said. I wouldn't title my video how to get a massive neck because I'm over here with a 16 and a half inch neck. I maybe say how to yeah. inc- now again, I know it's YouTube algorithm, all that stuff. I'm just saying like, yeah, it, was, it would be like how to get a non suicidally small neck. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, um, right. No, like some people actually were like your body shaming, but like the first 10 seconds of the video was him with his, less than massive chest saying if you don't think you can get you can't get a massive chest with just body weight i'm about to prove you wrong mm. i was like i don't know man like yeah i this is not like it's not body shaming because he looks fine he looks like a lot of people he has the physique that a lot of normie people would aspire to right uh, and i think he looks fine and obviously you know he's healthy and, and in good shape and athletic but yeah the word massive i just yeah. could not not make that video yeah right i, right. I saw that video and was just like all right this is just too much yeah no i mean i'm definitely not somebody who thinks like obviously there's plenty of people with amazing physiques who don't know that much and vice versa um so i'm definitely not saying like you always have to look the part specifically but there yeah. is something to be said for you have to show something right like, you have to yeah, show exactly. some results over time so yeah like in 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 the steroid era you can't judge a physique. You can't judge someone's knowledge just based on their physique. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise that's just a very slippery slope. And soon you're just taking advice from, well, the topic we just went into Mm -hmm. the IFBB crowd. And a lot of that advice is just truly terrible. And so, yeah, you can't judge it just by the physique, but I do think it is still some indication. I mean, if someone just has like an awful physique, not even average, and they're just like, blahing and their advice around and just you know (laughs) i think you have i think significant changes in your physique over time are necessary but not sufficient you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah so you know we were talking about um something well kind of related to the power building thing because that's basically how i spent most of my lifting career as well it's like okay i'm focusing on the big exercises i want to get strong over time but i'm still doing like hypertrophy work and whatnot so um one thing though i would say is form because something that i I noticed a lot of your exercises you're to failure and you keep good form but something that i've noticed and i don't 
I don't know if this actually matters for anything, but for the last four weeks working with Steve, it's been it's been very interesting because the idea was okay. We like we reset form on everything, right? Mm-hmm. And we literally started the first week of like three RIR and then two RIR and one IR, and it's 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 very different than what I'm used to. And some things that I'll probably I'm sure I'll make a whole video on this at some point, but it's very interesting to see how when you don't allow your form to change at all, how quickly failure can creep up on you. And what I mean by that is like, I I'll see you and I perform exercises similarly. And as an example, like let's take, well, one where you can even a little bit of change in form can change a lot would be like a lateral, right? So like a lateral raise. So if you are literally perfectly just going up and down like this, the difference between what, how many reps you could get with that and just the littlest bit of like a little calf push, it's, it's huge. And I, so I just got this new uh, leg curl thing at home and it's a line leg curl, like on a bench. It's definitely not as good as like what a, what a gym would have, but it's actually pretty decent. And I got 10 reps just again, like not a super slow concentric, but just a controlled concentric. And I went like, basically, this is a zero RER week. So I basically went to failure or, you know, to, you know, I know people get iffy about the uh, definitions there, but zero RER for, uh, for 10 reps. When I was done that, I was like, let's just see if I just, instead of slow and controlled concentric, I just really go as explosive as I can. And I got another six reps. What's that? Did you well, go off program? <laughs> I wanted to see for this one set. I got to take that. Nobody show this to Steve, but for this one set. I, I just, I didn't like, I wouldn't even say like, I put my body into it or anything like that. I just went to a really explosive concentric and I got another six reps. And, and so I'm always used to doing things with an explosive concentric. And the benefit of that is that kind of like what you said about the thighs, I just find the biggest measurement I can. Right. And then I know it's just going to be consistent rather than trying to find like the exact point by always just kind of pushing to failure, you know, you're, you're keeping that effort constant. Okay. So, so with the form thing, so like I said, when you are always going basically as hard as you can, you know, it's constant, right? And and so like, I'm doing everything I can to get that up and then it works when you're dialing in, like, okay, I'm going to keep it slow, controlled, not allowed even the slightest momentum. It's, it's hard to really gauge how much you have left because I'm so used to pushing as hard as I can. So it almost creeps up on me that like, oh, this actually is a zero RAR with this exact form. But I know that I could get another seven reps if I just change form how I normally would. Does that make sense? Makes complete sense. You know, like today I did, I wasn't counting reps, but I probably did like 40 or something, maybe 30, 35, 40 reps with lateral raises and with strict form, I might've gotten that for 10 reps. Mm -hmm. Like, so I, you know, the first few few reps were pretty strict. And then as like failure approached, you know, there's a little bit of oomph, a little bit of, a little bit of hip pop. That's how I call it. It's like a slight little bit, because you don't need much, right? Like the hips are so much stronger Mm -hmm. than the side, little side delts that even just like the slightest kick out of the bottom position, you know, gets you a huge amount. And so, and then I, as, you know, as the reps went on and on, there was a little bit more cheat 
but all of the reps were starting with the side delt, finishing with the side delt, and all of them were maximal effort. Right. And so, you know, was it beyond failure? I guess. Well, that's what I was going to say. That that gets right. into the whole thing of like, is that failure? Because technically, you could do that, and if you started the change in form before you actually hit failure, yeah, exactly. you're both using not beyond failure. failure technique and not hitting failure, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can use beyond failure to either, well, not, you can use technical breakdown to either go beyond failure or to avoid failure. Right. So if you go to failure or like very close to it, and then you can keep pushing that back, but you're still close mm -hmm. to that failure. But if, you know, you just start cheating for no fucking reason, which is what a lot of people do. Yes. Well, you know, failure was here and you're, you're 10 reps away, but now you started to cheat and you're still 10 reps away for the whole. Exactly. Set. I, I, that's where I think you get nothing out of it. Yeah. That's where I think, you know, having good form has a lot of benefit. But if you know yourself and you know how to cheat just enough to still make it suck really, really bad, mm -hmm. well, then you can get a lot out of it, probably more than a normal set. You know, if you look at the you know effective reps theory, you know, if you're doing my reps or, or, or rest pause, you could potentially get many more effective reps compared to just like a normal quote unquote set to failure, especially on something like a lateral raise. I mean, or a lat pull down or something like that, where the hardest position is in the contracted part. Mm -hmm. Like if you just go to failure, I'll finish a set to failure on those with strict form. And I'll just be like, oh, well, that was, that was really not bad at all like i could yeah 15 fucking sets of that in a workout and like not really feel very much and so like i have to go beyond failure for that kind of stuff otherwise i just don't get very much out of it at all especially for those smaller muscle groups that can take a lot of punishment and are weak points that i want to bring up like i have to do a lot i have to just i don't think this is the right mentality for everyone but i have to go into the gym with the mentality of like i'm gonna thrash these muscle groups until they fucking cry. And yeah. I, I know that's like a sort of going back to the enhanced bodybuilder mentality of like mm -hmm. rip the quads off the fucking bone, baby leg day. But you know, that might actually be what it takes in some circumstances to actually see growth past a certain point. Well, that as far as the having to go almost beyond failure, that's almost how I feel about calves and traps. And I don't have any room to speak about calf growth, but I can on traps a little bit. But like, what I mean by that is, it's the reason that you can see some people using like 50 pound dumbbells for a shrug and other people repping out like four or five with like cheat shrugs. It's like, if you were to actually, and like people listening can experiment with this, do a leg press calf raise, for instance, right? And use like, almost no weight, just like put like, you know, let's just say like the zero poundage or whatever type of leg press you're using and do a full range of motion rep and find a way to measure that range of motion. Like see how high the weight goes on the stack, whatever it is, mark that. Then load up your working weight. I guarantee you that if you're really pushing, like you're going to see that range of motion decrease so much because for me to get a full calf flexion, I have to use such light weight that yeah. if you had to get, like, let's say I said, okay, I'm going to get 10 reps and I'm going to stop the second I don't hit the full range of motion. It wouldn't, I'd feel like I wasn't doing anything. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like, like you fail, but there's no effort involved. Right. It's, because it's, it's so hard. And, <laughs> yeah. And same thing with traps. Like nobody is fucking using 405 on barbell shrugs and, and going 
all the way up to the same way that you could with no weight. You're absolutely yeah. limiting. And, and I'm not saying that using the heavy weight is wrong. I'm just saying that you'd have to, yeah, like, exactly what I said. You have to use such light weight. And so with a calf raise, like, I feel like I haven't done anything unless I've done some partials or it just doesn't feel like the muscle has worked that hard. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you, you've just failed anything with that top contracted part being the most difficult traps would be another one. Mm-hmm. You know, you're only fatiguing this tiny little part of the range of motion. And we do know that a loaded stretch is, is going to be very, very important. And yeah. probably emphasizing that stretch part of the range of motion is probably actually more important. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're literally doing something for strict reps on the shrug and failing only in that top portion, that bottom portion is, is like nowhere near failure. Exactly. Probably like 50 reps away from failure. Yeah. So maybe not even like you, you could do, okay, 10 reps and then you could probably get to 60 with like, you know, ever decreasing range of motion reps, yeah. still getting a, a little bit of pop in that bottom position because it's by far the strongest in that range yeah. of motion. Same with lateral raises, same with pull downs, same with most rows. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was going to say rows, never, definitely. Yeah, I've never ever taken a set of rows, you know, chest supported, cable, um, machine, like a safe row, not a barbell bent over row. I take all those to failure. And then some like partials where I'm trying to pull as high as I can and I'm just failing. Yeah, all of them. I've never ever taken a set of rows on those varieties where I haven't gone to failure, and so I can't even imagine like a strict row and then keeping zero reps in reserve. Like I can't even imagine that. Yeah, let alone two, no, three, it, four, five reps in reserve. Like what the? That's not even. It's a great point, and it's honestly not something I hear most people talk about. But like I, this was something I had a video of when I was like sixteen, and I posted on a forum. And I was doing like 115. I mean, I was very, very skinny at the time. And I posted 115 pound row. And people were like, oh, you have, why'd you stop? You have so much more in you. And I'm like, and it's a barbell row. And it's like, well, because I'm trying to keep my form perfectly constant and rowing to my navel. And so it's like, yeah, in that case, I, I could do so much more than this, but not with this exact perfect form. Um, now, I don't, I can't say which one is completely right. But I would tend to go towards what you said of like, it just doesn't feel like I'm doing enough, you know? Yeah, I think you want to overload like Brian Bornstein. I think that's the name I was right. Bornstein, no N. Bornstein, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He talked about, I don't don't know him that well, but I read one of his posts. um, And it was talking about the overloading, overloading of the stretched portion, portion, Mm -hmm. where he would take, you know, more weight than he could use for full range of motion on, you know, lateral raise or chest supported row or whatever. And he would just do partials trying to get as much range of motion as, as he could mm-hmm. presumably, but like, you know, where he's really overloading just that part of the range of motion. And I'm sure a lot of people would look at that and say, Oh, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing or he's an ego lifter, right? Oh, he's, he's lifting with his ego. Like mm-hmm. using a lot of weight for partials is like always a bad thing. Well, it depends on the movement. It, it depends on, you know, what you're trying to get out of it. And you know, if you prioritize range of motion a lot, using full range of motion and less weight, that might be the ego lifting. If your ego is more invested in in perfect technique and full range of motion and control and and mind-muscle connection, if that's your thing, well, that might have more ego involved than the other way of doing things. So I think typically, yeah, ego lifters are going to be using more weight for less range of motion 
but it's still pretty individual as well. And I would say, you know, you can use both in the training program and that would probably be the best way of going about things. Yeah. And that's related topic. I see some people who say, you know, it's, it's so much harder to keep proper form and, you know, it's like a warrior and like you're doing this. And to me, it's like, dude, so here's the thing. If you take a given weight, okay, we're going to be curling 50 pounds. Obviously it's going to be harder to curl the 50 pounds with strict form than cheat form. We're keeping that constant. But if you said we are taking a strict curl to failure or an all out, like leaning with your body, cheat curl to failure, the latter is way harder. You're using way more of your body. You're putting more overall effort into it. And, and that's what I'm finding with some of these exercises that I'm doing with Steve. It's like, okay, so I'm doing a like perfect form tricep cable pushdown. And it's like, dude, by the time I'm done, systemically, it's easy. I'm not trying to say it's not effective, but I, and if we're talking about like how much of a warrior you are and how hard you're pushing, I think the training with perfect range of motion and form is easier personally. Yeah. 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 So, and that's what I did for, for many years. Like when I was doing the 20 to 30 rep for arms kind of thing, I mean, that's what I was doing. It was, everything was very, very strict, controlled, uh, mind muscle connection, no excess momentum. Um, obviously the weights were very, very light. I mean, I was doing, I was doing pushdowns with like 20 kilos at 45 pounds mm -hmm. and, you know, curls with, uh, like 20 or 30 pounds per hand, like, like very modest weights for higher reps. Um, maybe, maybe even less than that, actually, if I, I would have to look at my training log, but like very, very modest weights, because mm -hmm. that's what is required for the higher reps and all the control. But again, like you're, you're missing out on the eccentric overload because you know, if you, if you're using a little bit of oomph, but you're controlling that eccentric, Right. You know, now you're also overloading that side of things, which we know is very important. And then you're overloading the other parts of the range of motion besides that one little tiny sticking point that might be if you're using, you know, the strict controlled form. And, you know, I think there are arguments for stricter form in some cases in terms of safety, and then maybe also a little bit in terms of systemic fatigue. But I don't entirely buy that when someone is like, well, you're tiring out your lower back when you're doing cheated curls. I don't know. If, are you though? Like how weak is your lower back? Where <laughs> that's a fucking like, is that really adding to the, like, okay, you can deadlift, you know, 450 pounds, but using a little bit of momentum on a curl is suddenly like, yeah, going to snap you up or something like, as long as you know how to brace when you're cheating a little bit, like not lean from lower back but actually keep the glutes you know involved in the process and actually mm -hmm. know your positioning i would say that's completely fine but the reason why i don't post a lot of that stuff is just because the internet is not ready for it yeah a lot of my training the internet is never going to see it <sighs> because it's maybe in 10 or 20 years the internet's going to be ready for for a lot of my training it's not ready yet i've, I've <laughs> tossed out a little bit of some some little bits of it um but even then people are like you know, oh, is this, oh, I heard somewhere like this is dangerous or this will get you snapped up or like this form is bad or, you know, have you considered the stimulus to fatigue ratio? I mean, I, I think stimulus to fatigue ratio, it's, it's good in theory. Like it's a good concept to understand, but then you have people who can't deadlift 315 worrying about, you know, the deadlift 
causing fatigue and like, right. you know, oh my God, the actual yeah. thing for my 30 pound RDL dumbbell, like. Right, know. right. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I really do believe in, I mean, so like, obviously some of these are just definitional, right? So like we could talk about like MEV and MRV and all these things are like just by definition they exist and stimulus fatigue ratio like is a thing obviously yeah um i think that it makes sense that as you get more advanced like you're going to want to try to get everything you can and and, and i think focusing on form is a and, and like the right exercises is a good route to go i also think as we talked about before maybe for instance like the traps calves back like that stretch is really important. And so if you're not getting that like peak contraction, it's okay. Versus I would say on like, a, like I, I find pressing, I usually will stick to like a full range of motion. But again, I, like if you're going to cut the range of motion, I would cut out the lockout for like a chest. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what I would say regarding, like, if I just think anecdotally, it's like, okay, when did I grow the most? And I can think it was like when I first, my first year, obviously my, sophomore year in college which was when i put that 100 pounds on my deadlift and my first year of dental school and in all three of those years i gained a ton of body weight i gained a ton of strength i hit new i hit all new time body weights strength and my form was not ridiculous but it was not pristine by any means you know i was you know so and and uh, it's just what you consistently see and and i know I don't know anybody who, like we've talked about before, added 100 pounds, their squat bench, dead overhead press, pull-ups for reps, and didn't gain a ton of size. But I definitely see a lot of people like over-focus on mind-muscle connection and over-focus on yeah. these other details. I think, you know, e effort is going to be a good equalizer there. Like if you're putting a lot of effort into strict reps, you'll get a lot out of strict reps. Mm -hmm. If you're putting a lot of effort into cheat reps, you'll get a lot out of cheat reps. But if you're not putting a lot of effort into either one, like neither one is going to work. So I think if people focus on the effort and then on keeping safe, if they go this cheating route, I think that's fine. Um, actually, I did a video on my 2018 fitness transformation and my technique was fucking awful. It was just <laughs> like a, a lot of the comments were like, I don't know how you survived that. Like, how are mm -hmm. you not snapped up? That kind of thing. But I made very visible progress that year. Like you can see during the video, you know, I took a few clips from my, my Chinese social media and just posted them on there, you know, chronologically. And you can see me getting bigger that year, even if it was a, a whole bunch of cheat rows. I was doing cheat rows with like 350 pounds. Yeah. Which is, I mean, my deadlift was 400 and something pounds. Right. So it was right. like, yeah, it was like a, a, an ugly deadlift with a little bit of an arm bend at the top, that kind of shit. Um, and I was doing uh, low pulls from the hang. I'm sure you're familiar with a high pull. Mm -hmm. This is where it's so fucking heavy. You can barely fucking budget. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a shitty power shrug. I was doing those with like 140 kilos, like three plates up to four plates, just like basically a crappy shrug, just always trying to pull as high as possible, but failing as the weight goes up again, overloading the stretch position that blew my traps the fuck up. So did the rows. Um, and you know, that those, that training works, but it, I think it is probably a little bit inherently riskier. Um, so you just, you do have to manage your recovery and then the volume that you do of it. 
this, the sets are more stimulatory, but also are more fatiguing, and therefore you can't do as much volume. I look at that as a good thing. I look at that as like, you know, okay, you don't have to do 20 or 30 sets per muscle group. I wasn't doing huge amounts of volume and I grew really well because everything was overloaded and then progressing as well. So I would say you don't necessarily have to do a ton of volume and you can get away with less with this type of training. And I'm not saying it's for everyone. I don't want to be like the cheat reps guy. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's an option that's like unnecessarily frowned upon. And if you look at how a lot of guys got big, they got big with this. And then later they went to the strict form. I was just about to say, I, one of the things I love about you, Jeff, is that you take meticulous measurements like I do. And so we can really see over time what's happening. And I don't know if bodybuilders are purposely delusional or they just think, cause, and, and to be fair, when you're on stage, the measurements don't matter. And I totally understand that, but it's such a good way to track progress over time. And just like you were saying, consistently, we see the same pattern, which is guys get huge bulking up and lifting really heavy ass weight. And I want people to tell me examples of somebody they know who decided to stop lifting heavy and like, you know, with these like big exercises and got bigger, not better as a bodybuilder. So I'll give you an example, like Alberto Nunez bulked up to like, I think he was like 230, 240, right? And at like five, nine, he was massive, very strong. He's got pictures of him off season looking yoked. Over the years, he has, you know, done, he doesn't bulk up nearly as heavy, more focus on form, and he's become a better bodybuilder. But he's, that's like largely he's gotten leaner every year. The dieting process has gotten better, et cetera. But does he have more muscle mass now than he did? I, I really don't uh, think so. Probably not. And, no, yeah. And the only example I can think of is Steve Hall. Steve Hall is really one of these like outliers that I've seen where, and it's one of the reasons that, you know, I'm interested to continue working with him because he genuinely did used to just like lift heavier. And now he's not that he doesn't lift heavy, but he's, he's revamped his form over the years. He squats with like way less than he used to other exercises as well. Um, and if you look at him now compared to his like last competition, he blows it away. Like yeah, great yeah. progress. Sure. He's, he's made huge progress. For huge sure. progress. And he, he's still strong as shit though. Like he was he in RDLs with like, uh, I want to say 160 or 170 kilos for like sets of 10, but strict. Yeah, right. He, like he, he keeps strict. that pristine form. Squats is the best example I can think where he used to do a lot heavier. Um, but I really, and I mean, people who listen or are listening, like comment below if you can think of examples, but it's just so consistently the case that these guys, and again, don't tell me about an enhanced guy who, yeah, now their form's so different. They put on 20 pounds of muscle. It's like, well, how did that happen? You know, tell me a natural lifter who has gone away from the heavy lifting and the bulking up, but has more actual muscle mass now. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of any. And I mean, I talked to a, a lot of, a lot of naturals and it's, you just see the same patterns over and over again. Yeah. They, they were always, you know, low to moderately low rep ranges, the same fucking exercises, sticking to the basics, not getting super lean, you know, getting fairly fluffy at times. Yeah. And e even the people who have massive incentive to stay lean often get fluffy. So the guys who have social media accounts who would, would just be able to sell more stuff yeah. If they were lean, it's just a fact, right? 
they even they like have gotten you know close to 20 percent or even slightly beyond 20 percent at times and you know i i think most people regret their dirty bulks but it seems to be like fairly ubiquitous where people aren't staying super lean they're letting themselves go up in body fat percentage and if you look into like the silver era before steroids were really a thing or at least before they were prolific and had changed common training practices same shit you had super strong guys going up and bulking and like it was just common knowledge that you had to get it was called like a softening you mm. had to get a softening in, in your physique and you know now we say bulking but same thing like caloric surplus you know padding the joints with a little bit more fat so you can lift heavier and then just getting as strong as you possibly can and that level of strength is going to be different for every single person um but it's like steve shaw says you got to get a lot stronger than you are now and you yeah know, to a certain extent like this bulk has been a long time coming mm-hmm. you know because i've i've spent a lot of time like oh i don't know like oh i shouldn't go above this oh my god like oh i'm from above 200 pounds, like, oh, yeah. it's not a not a good thing, right? Like the anti-Mark Ripito thing where he says that you have to be above 200 pounds. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, you have to be below 200 pounds. Yeah. So. Well, I think, I mean, so, I think it's going very well for me, for you. You're holding it very well. I think I, uh, it's almost a little disheartening for me if I think of, well, I'm specifically not going to go over 200 pounds again. And I just don't know if, I don't know if you can really gain, I mean, unless you're like beginner, like obviously if you were like two years in and you just got to like where you're really fat, obviously you can not ever get to that heaviness again, that weight again, and still make gains. Like, of course, but given that, like, you know, when I was, I want to say like 13 years, 14 years in, I did my bulk up to 220. I put everything I could into it for like two years of gaining, basically two years straight of gaining. It's like, after you've done that and you're 14 now, 16 years in, like, yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, what can you, and and that's where I am saying, and this is, you know, I had a whole, whole podcast on this, but that's where the whole thing with Steve, it's like, all right, like, like, let's see if anything comes from this. It can, can this manipulation of volume and new exercises eke out the smallest bit? Yeah, we'll see. You know, it's fun. It's fun to try something different. It gives me something yeah, to I, do. I think you're a really good Best subject for this thing. I mean, if I, it's hard to think of a better because you've done a lot of this stuff. You've been at it for a long time. You know, you've been, you know, fairly stable for for a few number of years. I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if anyone is like near their genetic maximum muscular potential, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like that's that's why when when Doug was on your podcast and he, and you were like, oh, how much more could I get out of these exercises? And he's like, oh yeah. Someone from my Facebook group, you'll get fuck tons of muscle. Like my yeah. friend on, on TRT and more, he got a shitload of muscle when he's 80 fucking years old. Yeah. Like, yeah right. I, I was like, I was just like, what the, I mean, you can never promise someone muscle growth. Yeah. Promising someone muscle growth when they've been at it for like a really long time and they've optimized everything for a really long time. It's like, it's either, it's kind of disingenuous and then like also kind of insulting. Mm-hmm. Where it's like oh yeah i've got the magic method like yes it's it's it'll get no you, right? i like, it there is it's, it's funny it's not it's certainly not purposely insulting but i remember um there's this guy, there's there's this guy i know who um he he's a relative of a close friend and he when i met him 
he was on like TRT plus like trend, like literally year round and wasn't working out anymore. Right. And um, tell me how his cholesterol was like 400, but doctors don't know what they're talking about, whatever. So anyway, he had a, so he had a heart attack. He's alive, but he had a heart attack like six months ago. Right. Shocker. Um, and I remember when, when he met me and he was like, you know, but if I, I could put 20 pounds of muscle on you. And it was almost like, what do you think you're going to do something that I haven't tried other than, you know, give me year long trend supplies. Like, um, there's almost this, this, uh, assumption that like, well, you've, you've clearly been doing things wrong, but, um, but like you said, I'm a good test experiment for it. And I think one of the replies that I just never got to with Mike was, and I know you listened to the podcast, but we talked about resensitization. And if anybody's a good test for it, it's me. Cause I've, it's two years of basically like low volume, but the thing was what he talked about and he said, you know, and you'll, now that you're, you're resensitized and everything you'll gain. And he specifically said, he said, not just regained muscle, but new muscle to which I would say, well, here's the thing. Let's say over the years, my muscle mass got to here. When I switched to low volume, I didn't drop. I've just maintained it. So I've maintained it at that peak, basically this whole time, including the last two years. So you're basically saying you think that the two years of resensitization will get me new gains. Now, of course, that's the hope. That's the goal. But it's not that I've ever dropped the muscle. So it will be interesting to see if there's anything to that. Um, and and I, I just I agree with you, basically, that I think I will be a good participant for the experiment to see if there's anything that happens from that. Well, you know, volume is the main driver of hypertrophy. Right, so right. <laughs> basically just been sandbagging. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, some of it might be like glycogen compensation just for the, the extra volume, which might be an extra, I don't know, a couple hundred grams at the most. Yeah. It might help you store an extra 400 grams of water, mm -hmm. 300, 400, 500 grams of water. So you might get it like an extra pound or maybe two from there. Yeah. Um, I, I've noticed that if I stop training, I lose weight no matter what. If I take a week off, I lose weight. And that's part of it, just like inflammation and blow sure. and pump. Um, but it, it's a lot in my case. Like I'll lose seven, eight pounds if I wow. don't train. Yeah, a shitload. Like With a the lot. same calories? Yeah, yeah, irrespective of calories. Even eating a lot. Like Wow, that, that is a huge amount. It's a lot, yeah. It's like, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I just... I do fairly high volume and like a lot to failure and I just probably train more than I should. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I stop my body, is just like, fuck, like, yeah, maybe it's just from water retention. I don't know, but wow. it's, it's one thing that I've noticed pretty consistently. I'll lose. Yeah. Three or four kilos over the course of a week. If I stop training. Hmm. Wow. Just that's like, a lot. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a significant amount. Um, do you have plans for like, do you know when the, bulk is going to end and if you just plan to like stay up there or do you gonna cut down when you're done um i'm not sure i've actually leaned out over the past two weeks a little bit unintentionally i'll, I'll yeah. keep going until january at least okay and then you know chinese new year will be mm. like a week off the gym or two oh, and then okay. i'll probably keep going yeah everything closes here like really chinese new year just everything shuts down um and then i'll probably keep going until march or april 
um, just because I found that extra time spent cutting doesn't actually help me get that much leaner. Like last hmm. cut, I went from January until June, but I was basically the same leanness in April as I was okay. in June. So I kind of, I went, I mean, I might lose eight or nine kilos the first month and then just sort of like coast in. So I'll, I'll lose pretty quickly. And a lot of that's probably water. Sure. But then I'll, um, you know, I'll sort of coast in. And so, you know, I don't really actually want to spend as much time cutting. I'd rather just spend a little bit extra time past the Chinese New Year gaining, maybe until like um, maybe March or April, sometime around then. But I don't really plan everything out that much in advance. Yeah. So I might even just keep going through the summer. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if you don't have like a specific like big reason to do it, I think, you know, enjoy the enjoy the gains while you got them. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't really need to be all that lean for social media. Right. Um, it would, I mean, it would help. Like I know, I know many stories of people who they got leaner and their social media account just blew up. Sure. Like Tristan Lee is not going to get any traction at 15% body fat. Like right. he would just look like a, a normal human child at, at yeah. 15%. Like his, his thing is leanness. And so I actually commend him. I think he's bulking up. I saw some video about him bulking up and I think it's, you know, it's, good for him not to be super super lean yeah um but for some people like they kind of like you look at athlete x leanness is his thing he's sort of like if he went up to 12 percent body fat people would be like oh he he got fat or something like mm -hmm. oh he athlete jeff cavalier is looking a little chubby yeah percent body fat like i don't see any face veins anymore yeah and so well especially when you're that when you're not like overly big like he's probably i think he said he's like 165 or something like that um 170 something yeah and I, I remember when i was in high school uh, i was on the wrestling team and there was this kid like in the locker room and he like literally looked like a greek god to me and i i know looking back on pictures of high school that he actually wasn't like that big but as my like 14 year old brain i was like holy shit like it was insane uh, and then it goes from wrestling season to, uh, then he went into football and shortly after, well, yeah, I mean the, the season are switched, but he went into like training for football, I should say. And he, uh, he probably got from like legit 7% body fat to like 13, 14%, maybe 15 and same muscle mass, probably more muscle mass. Right. Yeah, and I just remember at the time, all I cared about was like leanness and abs and everything. And I, I, I was so much less impressed and he still had a great body but like I, I was so much less impressed and and so somebody like an athlete and x or certainly like a tristan lee at 15 percent body fat it's probably not terribly impressive yeah no like some people all they have is leanness and i'm not saying they don't have like good physiques overall they do but yeah they wouldn't stand out if they didn't have that because that yeah. just that extra few percent from like going under 10 percent to like seven percent or maybe six percent even that extra bit is really shitty to maintain yeah and so the fact that they can maintain it i mean credit to them it, it must take a shitload of discipline um you know not taking anything away from them but they're down there in a place that not many people can be and that's what makes them stand out yeah right like it's a, it's, a, it's a bell curve so if you see someone who's hugely fat they stand out or if someone is ridiculously lean 
they also stand out. And so they, they, you know, they're floating in that area that not many people can float in and that's what makes them stand out. And unfortunately they sort of trap themselves there by their brand right. by, you know, many years of putting out content. And so, you know, I commend Tristan for, for, you know, taking the leap and not being in that space. Cause that, that space is un- unpleasant. Yeah. Right? It's not fun to be, and you know, natural or not natural aside, like, Either way, it's not a great place to be, I think. Um, it's just, you know, it's unpleasant, uncomfortable. You have to be restrictive. And, you know, so good on him for for saying, okay, well, I've had enough of this. This kind of sucks. Right, and right. I'd rather, you know, get back to a, a decent level of body fat. And, you know, it's probably, probably be good for his physique in the long term as well. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we covered a ton today. I know it's getting super late over there, so I will let you get to sleep, get that recovery going. Uh, and uh, where can people find more of your stuff? Cool. Yeah, it's uh, just my name, Jeffrey Verity Schofield. Uh, I won't spell it out. It'll be somewhere probably. Yeah. Uh, that's Instagram, Quora. My book is Sweat. You can find it at verityfit.com. And that's about all. Thanks, man.